it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. lovelies. I am so glad you're here with me today in the windowsill. I have a treat for you today. I am speaking with Julie Ager and Julie started her own art agency many years ago and is a person that I think you'll really be interested in hearing from because she's got lots of tips and great thoughts about how to make it as an artist today. She started her career with 12 years of consulting on consumer product buying and behavior with major mass merchandisers, department stores, and other manufacturers and retailers throughout the U.S. as well as Mexico and South Africa. From there, Julie started the ADG agency in 1997 in partnership with a few close artist friends. And you know, Julie knows that developing great products requires more than great art and design. It requires teamwork, collaboration, and a comprehensive understanding of today's market, which is why she built ADG on the foundation of partnership, creativity, integrity, and longevity. And you'll hear a lot about that. And you can tell, I mean, it's been going strong since 1997. We talk about a lot of things that I think you will find very applicable. We talk, of course, about Julie's path from consultant to agency founder, what she looks for in artists that she represents, what it's like to run a small sustainable art agency. And here's one that we really get into, which I think is key for us all. Navigating the customer journey as an artist and understanding the different roles required, kind of how to move the consumer along. You're ultimately preparing, you know, making art for the consumer, the person that's going to put it in their home. Yes, we are selling it to someone in between, most likely most often, or showing it with someone in between, but ultimately it's going to someone's home. So how to think about that? We get into that a lot. And again, what a project manager thinks about as well from the project manager side, we, we chat about that. When I'm trying to create a product that's going to sell or when Julie's trying to find an artist and sell their work and know that it's going to sell, what all that looks like. So I hope that's not too confusing. I'm not gonna keep talking. I'm gonna get straight into it with Julie. I really like this one. You know, this industry continues to just entice me every day with the people I meet and the conversations I have. So here's Julie. Hey, Julie, I'm just so glad you're here with me today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. I would love to know you, as you say in your, in your about, have been doing this and have had this agency for a long time, but what, tell us a little bit more about your creative path and and just kind of how you landed where you are. I came at it a little bit differently than probably most of the folks you talked to. 
I was in very much of a numbers kind of position, um, analyzing consumer data and that kind of thing. But on my own, I'd always been um, very interested in the creative side. You know, I would do a lot of painting classes and I've painted a lot of things for my home and that type of thing, but not on the commercial end. So back, I guess it was, what is it, 20, 2007, I guess, 2008, that time frame, we had a friend. I, I had um, stopped my corporate job, um, starting a family, that type of thing. And um, I had a friend who was an artist that had learned about art licensing and said, hey, you want to rep me and let's do this. Um, Wonderful gal. It turned out not to be her thing, but it sent me down a path that's been a lot of fun. Um, We, I visited, I guess it was licensing show the first year Mm. and looked and tried to talk to people and figure out what everybody does. And it was kind of surprising to me, the similarities, Mm -hmm. Um, not everything, obviously, but there was a lot of similarities. So I said, what the, Hey, let's try it. And um, I know that one of the things we had talked about is um, I am famous for saying, hey, start this in the middle of a recession. You'll never know. (laughs) You can only go up. Um, We really did. I mean, the 2008 recession hit and the art licensing world changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, But I didn't know much from before. And so all I knew was to keep pushing up. And that's what we did. Um, we started out with the one artist and brought on probably four or five more. And then a few years later, we grew to where we are now. Um, we rep 16 artists and I doubt it will ever get much off of that number just because we're not a huge agency. Right. And it's really important to us to rep the artist, um, not just send out a bunch of artwork from anybody. It's more important to us to rep the artist and actually help develop along that line because it's not fair if the agent's doing well and the artists aren't. So I love that. I love that point of view. I, I so agree. I often, I'm asked so often about, you know, working with a licensing agency and things. And my, always my advice is it should be somebody that feels like a friend that's somebody you do want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with, and they're interested in you. And I love that you, that's a defining factor for you all. That's a, well, that's a good number. There's a couple of artists on our team that are nearing retirement age and, and, or have other things happen in their life. And we still stay in touch. I mean, that's, oh yeah. I was surprised with this industry. Everybody is so supportive, so helpful, so nice to work with. Um, I came from a very cutthroat background. And so when I've occasionally heard people say, oh, no, this is really cutthroat. And I said, trust me, you don't know cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> this is not cutthroat. So um, we really are lucky in this industry. I feel like creatives, no matter what their medium or, or kind of how they fall in, are very supportive of each other. I think potentially because we know it's hard work and it's just, and it's often you're on your own. So it's really nice to be able to lean on those fellow peers and friends. Yeah. And I think they also know how much it hurts when somebody is hard nosed, you know? Yeah. Really. It's so personal. Yeah. Your creativity is an extension of your heart, yourself, your, your Mm -hmm. feelings, you know? Yep. It's very personal. 
So you started, let's see, I'm trying to think of my first Surtex show was probably hmm, a long time ago. Well, I, I used to do the stationary show before, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe late nineties, my first one, somewhere in there, early oh, wow. twos. Yeah. Um, but I always love how different the diff the different agencies are when you walk by, you know, you, you never quite know. That's why I always feel like everybody deserves time and, and taking the time to look at it and look at the art and certainly the personality of the agent is great. I mean, you know, you, like you said, you're standing for your people and, and those friendships you make with the people you work with and your clients, as well as the artists are so lifelong too. I mean, it's, it's pretty great. And, and I feel like I have a lot of artists that wonder, should they be with an agent or not? What's your thought on that one? Oh my goodness. That's a, that's one of those questions. There, there's no right <laughs> answer to that. Nope. <laughs> um, it, it totally depends on the artist and what they want to get out of it. And it depends on if they find the right agent. I think it can be a great relationship and it can really work out for both of you, both the artist and the agent, but it's not always the right fit. It's a partnership. It's like a marriage, you know, you, that's a cliche, I guess, but it's how you work together that makes you successful, not necessarily how good the agent is or how good the artist is. Mm -hmm. It's how you work together. I think that's going to make you succeed. Um, Great point. Yeah. It, and that's it, why I think finding the right, finding that right partner, right? Marriage, whatever. It's, it's about, it doesn't always work. You might have great respect for that person and it just isn't the right fit. But I think there's a lot of people wondering these days, can I make a go of it in this business? Can I, am I doing the right thing? Which I imagine is one of the reasons you listener are listening right now, you know, this yeah. tie to a creative conversation is so important. And we do, I mean, all of us creatives are wondering what's next. What should I be doing? What will that look like? Cause it's up to us. Um, well, no. and you use the term right thing. Is it the right thing for me to do? I think you've got to take a step and back, figure out what's the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Is it the community? Is it the finances? Is it the personal gratification? Mm -hmm. Who knows? There's many different ways to get something out of this. That's right. And that's such a good point, Julie, because if it's for the community, there's a lot of ways to do that. If it's for the money, there's different ways to look at it. And you're, you're going to have to do legwork and, you know, yep. marketing and things like that. But all along there's people to help, which is, which is pretty yeah. great. You mentioned a minute ago, you know, dropping by Surtex and stopping by each of the booths because you never know where that nugget's going to be found. Yeah. That's even true with an agency. I've got a couple of artists that are brand new and they are just trying to get their footing, just trying to find their voice and that type of thing. And then we just started working with somebody. I can't tell who yet because it's going to get announced at Surtex, but um, it's somebody that's been in the industry 25, 30 years. And so it's got that broad spectrum there too. And would I work the same with each of them? No. Right. You know, I love that too. I mean, you kind of imagine a dinner party and everybody around the table and you you've invited them there because 
you thought you think they for a certain reason or another they might be old friends or you think they might enjoy each other but everybody brings something different and i think that's often i i feel like artists today who have taken so many courses are are visually seeing so much come in front of their eyes with social media etc are thinking oh i'm not measuring up to that mm, you just be you right it's you have your own seat at the table well, and I, I totally agree. I, I said that same thing too sometimes, and it can sound Pollyanna. Yes. You know, it's, is there they want it, How do there? I get that invitation, right? Yes, exactly. Is there somebody out there that may not be suited for this? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but those are the lesser. Um, there's a lot of people that can make it and make it work well for them. I really think so. So t- talk a little bit about, since you've done this for so long and, and your relationships are so they have history, share a little bit with the listener, the relationship with the, either the retailer or the, the customer, whatever that customer is for you, mm-hmm. what that looks like. Cause I think they come in a few different shapes and sizes. And I don't think you, you reached out to me about this and I'm so excited to have this part of the conversation because I don't think nobody teaches about this. All so right. Let's dig into this part. That's been on my mind a lot lately. The success in art licensing doesn't come from having the right trend, the right color, the right layout, et cetera. That's not where it comes from. And I think we forget sometimes that ultimately our customers, that person walking in the store and picking something up off the shelves. And I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I don't think we forget it. But we don't I'm not necessarily sure. think about that. Yeah, I'm not sure that the the current dynamic of an artist presenting artwork to a, an agent or a manufacturer and a manufacturer presenting it to the retailer and then the retailer making the decision, I don't know that that current work process really puts the artist in touch with the customer. Um, and I've been thinking about, you know, what can we do to change that? You know, it's not... It's not the 10,000 questions I get about how many items should I have in my portfolio. (laughs) It's not the question about, is this the right time of the year to present Halloween? It's not that. It's, do you know how to make a customer say, oh my gosh, that is so cute. Mm -hmm. Or that reminds me of this trip I just took. Mm -hmm. Or it just speaks to their soul, you know? Mm -hmm. You're talking Zen, it's like, it maybe it just gives them that nice warm comfort, you know. I couldn't agree more. I I really I mean, like if we stop and unpack that a little bit, and I I was in oh gosh, I was in retail. I I've been all the sides of this. So design product myself, sold it, manufactured it, all the things. But having a retail store um was such good, um, I don't know, history. Cause I had the retail store before I had the, the wholesale repping showroom. And mm-hmm. sorry if you got the, if this is confusing anybody, but at some point I'll go and do all of it. When you have a retail store, you are going shopping at a show where that product is already made. And the retailer is looking for something that grabs them. Just like you said, it's like, Oh, that would be so great. But they're also thinking, 
okay, Christmas is coming up. I have to have things in the shop that will make great gifts or whatever. And they all have to go together. And I have this hole over here and it needs to fit on the wall. You know, our reasons are different. But when the customer comes in, they are living with it. They are investing in it. The retailer is passing it through. That customer that buys that thing that you designed is choosing to live with it for maybe ever, for maybe the rest of their life, you know? So that is really something that we don't talk about very much. And and that mindset, like there's a mind bender, but it's true, you know? And none of us would have a job without it. Mm-hmm. No, we but wouldn't. What I've been kind of thinking and still not sure if it's right yet, but the communication channel is, I think, where we fall short on ourselves sometimes. Mm. Um, like, let's say I have artist A that we've we've started doing a good job about saying, hey, focus in on one line and get good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have heard a lot of discussions about that lately. And I think there's a benefit to that because you start to understand the, the logistics of the manufacturing process. You start to understand what customers look for it, at least at that manufacturer for it. And when you mean one line, do you mean like working with one particular customer, client? Client and or type of client, whether you focus in on cards or flags sure. or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And but I think if we could find a way to communicate the needs better, and I this speaking of maybe not being straight and easy to understand, this is what I'm thinking. If there was a communication method where, let's say, retailer A, um, and is probably more big box and or maybe an association of mom and pops or whatever, if they could say this is how we define what's going to work for our customer. Okay. I'm yeah. Easier thought than said. Um, (laughs) But that's a good one. You know, and if, if there was a way for that easily passed up the chain, you know, to the manufacturer, to the, I know that people do, you know, line plans, like a manufacturers, we work with a lot, do line plans and they'll say, here's what we're looking for. And here's kind of what we want them to look like. But that only goes so far as to mm-hmm. defining, okay, what are we trying to accomplish with this? Mm-hmm. In other words, okay, yes, I know I just picked up a recent line plan from a manufacturer that was talking about the Christmas line. And there was maybe a red and, red and green classic. There was a bright and cheery. There was a snowman. These are all different categories of pieces that they want in their product line. But from an artist standpoint, developing for that, they could give give us the best red and white candy land grooving, but it may totally miss the mark of what were you trying to satisfy for the customer? What was it you're trying to do there? Yeah. And, and some of it's mind reading. Yeah, you're right. You know, they do a lot. Yes. Because you see that line plan and ideally there's, you know, there's some trend in there, some photographs or some image imagery, not necessarily photographs, but something to lead your artist to, to produce something. Mm -hmm. But then they might've gotten something from someone else or they on a whim change. You just never know. And (laughs) 
having played all those roles, you might get turned down by their boss. You just never know kind of how it all plays out. But we are in charge as artists, as license licensing agents, as as the manufacturer, whomever that is, we are in charge of shepherding that process along. And it's not necessarily smooth, but to your point, the more you work with the same strata, be it mm-hmm. cards or a particular company or type of company, you're it's like learning a language. Yeah. You're you're yeah. then designing to that specifically. So I always like to say, I know you all might get tired of hearing it, but people buy what they see. So if you can design, if it is a flag manufacturer, if it is a tabletop manufacturer, card manufacturer, make it look like a card, make it look like a plate. You know what I mean? And um, I was spending, I spent some time on your site today looking at artists and, you know, I'm always looking and I'm always thinking and I thought, oh my gosh, I'll have to ask afterwards about so-and-so and so-and-so because I'm thinking of spring for one thing and cards or something else, you know, and that's the other thing, putting, putting it in front of people, you know, it's that it's, it goes back to that relationship and the artist listening, put yourself out there, put yourself in front of people. And that's, that's another thing that's daunting to people who don't necessarily have an agent or are new at it. Um, But it's just about, it's just about doing it especially when they know that you can't just do it once. It's not like you talk to somebody the first time and you're going to get it from, you know, you guys, whether you're the product designer or whether they're retailer are so busy, they don't have time to put that out there for everybody. And so it's, it's even more daunting when you realize that relationship doesn't develop for a year or two down the line, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, maybe that's just a number I picked out of my head, but, but it takes a while. Mm-hmm. Have you found, and am I allowed to ask you a question? Oh, please do. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you found a successful way to communicate your need to artists? And oh, what has been your experience in that? That's such I'm a good question. Like crazy stuff all over the place. I know. Right. I, um, it's often, and I, I pause because I would love to say, oh, there's, I mean, certainly I've worked places where there was a brief, et cetera, but mostly it's okay. It's that time of year. We just are wrapping this up. We're, we're starting on the next season. And then I first think about who am I already working with? And I know I'm going, oh, maybe I haven't used as much from Jennifer this time. I need, I, or I haven't looked at Deanne or so-and-so, oh my gosh, look at what, you know, Susan posted on Instagram, you know? So often I'll start there, which is where that relationship comes in. Um, But then I'm, I'm always trying to find freshness, but communicating, I would love to say that's first on the list, but it's not. It's often because it's a small staff or whatever you're, putting out fires, you're setting up a show, you're doing something else. And then secondarily, (laughs) which is kind of crazy, but I'm sure you understand you're planning the line, you know, or maybe further down the list. And that's totally understandable because that comes back to 
you guys are so busy. The artists are so busy. Everybody's so busy. Is there a communication method that we can come up with that kind of shifts the dynamic of how that communication that makes it easy on everybody? Because ultimately, all of us want to have the right customer see the right product. Absolutely. I love that question too, because I think, and I get to ask that almost my two, I think the two most is, am I ready? Which is usually the answer is yes. (laughs) And two, how do I get in front of the right people? And to that point, I think um, since we don't see each other in person nearly as much as we used to, it used to be all, I'll see you at the show, but that has changed. So often it's, hey, can I set up for, for an agent? Hey, can we set up an appointment? Love that, love that, love that. Because yes, slow me down, put some great looking <laughs> art in front of me, something yeah. will come of it. And for for the artist that is either working with an agent on their own, but they're reaching out directly, it's it can be similar. You know, hey, can we get, can we sit down? Or you've never heard of me before, but I'd love an audience with you if this works or, you know, send it once if you don't hear, send it again, send it again, have a good have a good tagline, put put a few pictures in there. You know, it's hopefully people that might have been hesitant to reach out are hearing from our conversation that we're, (laughs) I love to say I'm just waiting for those emails to pop into my inbox, (laughs) but I'm lucky if I can find them some days, many days, you know? You know, that one in the 300 that you just got this morning is just not popping up to the surface. Sorry, page five. Yeah. (laughs) We have artists reach out to us as well. And I feel horrible that I'm not just like popping out responses or giving advice or thoughts. But in all honesty, it's not rising to the surface with all of the things going on. And that's hard to do. I wonder if, um, I think of coffee clutches, you know, when people talk networking, it's usually going to a cocktail party or just somewhere you can chat with these people. Wondering if in our virtual world we can't come up with a replication of that where where you can get everybody slow down just for an hour every month mm-hmm. or two. You I know, just that. have that conversation. It's the artists want to learn. They mm-hmm. it's not like they don't want to not give you what you know what somebody wants. The retailers and manufacturers want the artists to send them in what they want. It's just getting us all on the same page, I think. I think so too. I love these opportunities to talk, like talk to an agent, talk to somebody that has a lot more answers than the artist kind of knows where to find, you know, because that's where that rich experience comes in. It really does. I want to circle back to the end customer for a minute too, and kind of dig in there a little bit more, because one of the things that, um, in the courses I've taught, et cetera. And I always used to, or I always do, I, it's not a used to thing, is I pick things up when I'm shopping and I look at the company that's on the bottom of them, <laughs> right? All the time. I wonder how any of us are out there flipping things over. You wonder what are they doing? My game is I try and guess before I look at the name. <laughs> okay. Am I right or not? You know, and and that, I'd say I've done that my whole life probably, but for an artist... I feel like that's a great way for them to learn about companies that they might be interested in because usually if you're attracted to something, maybe that's in your style or or something that you can relate to. So what do you think are some other ways to kind of tune into that end customer? You know, 
we say it all the time um, and you've alluded to it by being out in the store, but you've got to get out of your studio. You've got to get out there into the retail environment mm-hmm. and you've got to kind of think too, what kind of store am I in? Yeah. If I'm in the Dollar General or if I'm in Crate and Barrel, I'm going to be looking at two different things entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm one. I'm just thinking. I, I do this more at places like at America's Mart, but it would make sense in a retailer. I will scuttle over near some customers that are talking to the salespeople and just listen to what they've got to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could happen out in the real world in a retailer. Just you know, listen. don't stalk. But yeah, <laughs> at least listen to what's being said about it because it might not be that it, oh, there's a purple butterfly. It might not be that. It may be, doesn't this look like my Aunt Sarah? Or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, listen, yeah. maybe. That's a really tough question. It, it's, it's a tricky one, you know, how how to find. I, I think there's some other, other ways. I don't know if you think, like I'm just kind of spitballing, but Pinterest, um, print, what am I trying to say? Pinterest posts trends. That was hard to say. Pinterest <laughs> posts trends um, that they think are coming up or happening. And, and those are very end consumer trends. Sure. That's something that that's put into use. I remember when I worked at Hallmark, there was a, a very strong um, consumer there, there was a whole part of the company that did consumer research. And as a designer, I didn't always agree with that. I, I always thought like, you're, you're going to move that consumer along. Yes. It's up to us to move that consumer along. The consumer is not going to, and the, particularly some of the ones that would come through, I thought, oh my gosh, we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forwards. However, who, who are you selling to? Who is that company selling to? Because that research is very valuable. So it's up to us as freelance, if you will, those of us artists in the world to, to maybe, maybe you, maybe you have an Etsy shop and you can see what's selling. It's a great way. That's definitely direct to the customer. Maybe you, maybe for instance, myself, once a year, I do a sale and at at the win at Christmas time. And I, it tells me what people what buy what they buy first what what doesn't sell so maybe when i'm actually have the time to make something i lean into a certain price point or i lean into a certain look it doesn't always shouldn't always be the thing that i think is the best you know there was a couple of nuggets in there i was wanting to follow up on because well the the easy one you mentioned price point there at the end that's the thing a lot of artists don't consider sometimes when they're designing is it's a whole lot more expensive to produce something with glitter or embossments or things like that. Gold. Is there another way that you can end up with the same effect mm-hmm. without that? But the other nugget I wanted to come back to is, yes, you had your consumer research. And I, I came from AC Nielsen, speaking of mm. research. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we had our research. But, and you said, you know, as a designer, it's our job to kind of take them forward from that. But we forget sometimes we can't take them. I, I don't know why I keep saying we forget. We don't forget. But we can't take them from A to Z in one step. There right. won't go. No. No. If no. you want to push that consumer a little bit, go one step up. Because for right now, manufacturers and retailers are not going to take big risks. Right. They're, 
they are under the same financial constraints that we are. So they're not going to take a huge risk, but will they take that baby step? Maybe. Yeah. Sure. That was a huge learning for me. And I think it depends on where that artist is in the spectrum. I always feel like it's sort of a pyramid. I had a wholesale showroom for years as well. And I felt like the tip of the pyramid is small. That's the super trendy, very cool stuff that I probably am going to lean towards because it's different. I haven't seen it before, but there's not as much money there because they're it's the beginning of the trend. Then it goes down and, and there's a little bit more, but that towards the bottom where it's widest, we as designers might not be very interested in that anymore because we thought about it. We did it, whatever, but that's where the, the broadest spending is. So that company you're working with, when I first went to corporate Midwest CBK and we work, we're working a lot with Wendy Addison, I remember, and we did, a and, and, and she had sold so many glittered letters, the whole glittered alphabet, glass glitter. And it's, I mean, it, it so many. And then we, we kind of got a little funky with it. We did these glass mosaic ornaments and this other stuff and, and I was sure it was just going to knock it out of the park. And I remember, and I was so naive <laughs> because I was coming from a very trend forward place. Right. And when I saw the numbers and I was like, this did the best, right? And they're like, no, these, whatever it was, you know, S'mores characters did the best. And I was like, how could that be? Who are these customers? Well, the customers are comfortable with what right. they know and love, what they can buy for their teacher, what they can buy at, in this particular company, right? So that goes again to that consumer, yep. that final purchaser. And it, these are things that we learn from doing. But if we're just going with our own kind of sensibility, we might not realize that. Yeah. That, was a big, that was my biggest learning in corporate. What is the buyer buying? You know, it's not necessarily me. We've all had experiences where we've absolutely fallen in love with a product going to market and it fell flat. And you're like, why? It's wonderful. But it's that baby step thing, I think. think You can take them a little bit. You can take them a little bit to the next line. And it also feeds back into what we were talking about earlier. What is the right thing for the artist? Does it feed their soul to do that really trendy stuff? That may be fine, but it's going to be hard to meld with being financially successful as well. Okay. That is such a good point. And I know this is hard to swallow for some people and hard to hear because I feel like there's a couple of schools of thought. If you super love it, you should keep doing it because it's going to show up and people are going to buy that passion that they see through your work. However... If you're, if it's taking a big leap for someone, if you are like, look at what's selling, if it's holiday time and you're okay doing holiday themed art, you're going to sell it because every single season we need a new snowman. As a matter of fact, hundreds of new snowmen, you know, into that. And no matter how many times we try, we can't get the consumer to go to purple and green and pop pink ornaments. No matter how many times we try. They're on my tree. A whole lot more fun. But, <laughs> yes, you know, red, 
PMS 200 is what we always use <laughs> every time. Yeah. <laughs> At okay. Midwest, Hallmark thought that was a little too cherry. So they used 198, I think. But that's what I mean. Like, oh, oh, oh year over year over year over year. <laughs> I love it. These I are the it. things, though. That, so I, I don't want to feel like we're being discouraging because that's not it at all. I, yeah. I really 100% feel that if you lean into what you love to do, that's going to show up in your artwork and you will find your your people. But sometimes there's there's way to, ways to make that bread and butter, um, other ways to make that bread and butter, I should say. Exactly. And, and you said it, don't stop doing what feeds your soul. I mean, you will not be successful as an artist if you're not happy. I mean, no matter what, when I've asked somebody to do a particular thing and it didn't interest them at all and they did it, it stunk. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. You have to be true to yourself, but just keep in mind that as you are, if part of your goal is financial success, while you're doing all that trendy stuff, do a few of these, you know, run of the mill, but, but more middle America type things at the same time. That way you can keep feeling good about what you're doing, keep enjoying it and knowing that, okay, but to put the food on the table, I've got to stop and do this every once in a while. Right. Shouldn't, shouldn't be discouraged. It's just a little bit different way of looking at your career. I really like that you said it that way. It is just a little bit different. It's, it's, it's kind of keeping your day job, but you've turned your day job into something you can still control yourself. You might just be, you know, drawing snowmen while you'd really like to be at, at well at the same time you're you're really doing those beautiful birds that you want to do or whatever yeah. it is you know what I mean it's yes. and not to pigeonhole it if if anybody's sitting out there going oh my gosh I have to be drawing snowmen it's not what I mean at all no. <laughs> do your thing but they're that just again be aware of what people are buying that's what it comes down to yeah and it's so much specific to certain product lines as well yes I mean, snowman would not make you in a stationary line. I mean, right. yes, or the Christmas cards, sure. But but if you are in, let's say, you know, flags, they've got to have snowman, um, giftware, they've got to have snowman, tableware, they've got to have snowman. Mm -hmm. But and, and and we're beating a dead horse with snowman. There's a whole lot of <laughs> examples. Well, cards, birthday but, sells the best. Yes. Typically. And yeah. that might not be what you want to do. You might want to do like, oh my gosh, you know, angsty something or something, but make sure you have birthday cards available because they sell best. There is um, one card that I recently got in from one of my gals that I just adore, but I'm really anxious to see how it does out there because it's this, um, it's a graduation card and it's mm -hmm. this dog peeing on a fire hydrant and saying, go out and make your mark. Love, love the card. Yeah. You know, I think it's just hits it, but I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out. But the flip side of that is we had a birthday rolled around recently for some submissions and it was like pulling teeth to get our team to, to get some birthday stuff mm -hmm. out there. Cause I think it's boring to them, which mm -hmm. I understand, but it's that bottom part of the tier that you need to kind of fill in so that you can do the. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's the, it's the card version of snowman, but I, that also too cards. I mean, we can look at people like say an Emily McDowell who set out to do a card line based on thoughts that were in her heart and right. it did successfully off the bat. And that's because she, you know, went out, 
put a few cards out there. They were well-received. They were the right thing at the time. So again, if you, you test your own market, you know, see what is your work being responded to on social media or at a fair or on at Etsy or by your friends, you know, there are many ways to slice it and many ways to go about it. Going back to the customer though, I'll bet you, and she may have just gotten lucky, but I'll bet you that she knew she was going out there with something she wasn't the only one dealing with. She knew that there was others that are going through the same thoughts and yes. would be touched by the same sentiments, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I think it was probably successful. It was missing. Yeah, it was missing. And and she wasn't alone. It's not like there was 100 people maybe out there that might feel the same thing about a special situation. That's true. Like there was a lot of people that would be. That's really true. And and how does that kind of translate to your one's portfolio or, or you know, anything? Of course, you might want to teach or something. Are, is it? you know, we all hear of, about niching down or, or whatever that might be, but do you love it? Are there other people that can relate to it? Might right. it be missing in the market? Is it one step or three steps up or is it 20 steps far farther away from what people are seeing? You know, there's all those little gems that might, that might help people along the way. We've got a passion project going on right now that <laughs> really yeah. is not probably, I don't know. I, 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 I waffle on this one because it's one of an artist that I started with um, uh-huh. a long time back has a passion project that really wants to reach out and hit the middle school demographic with building confidence through art. Okay. Now, is that a broad dynamic, probably broader than we wish it were? Right. A lot of the girls and a lot of the boys questioning themselves at that age and a lot of suicides yeah. things like that. But yeah. But it's, again, is it something that's going to touch a lot of people? You know, it's it's probably not the first thing that we would, you know, it'd be a lot easier to go market a gift book. Um, and it, it, but you've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be true to those values as well. I love that. And honestly, something like that, that's really that is a passion project that you, someone so believes in as they're doing it. And, and that, that topic will, I mean, I can see that being newsworthy really, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and adapted and adopted by schools or, or, or performance places or um, different, all sorts of different. We're counts. Work out, but I think it's a good example of staying true to yourself, you know, still do need to make a living, but don't give up on those passion projects. No, I really think that's the most important thing. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about like, see what's selling and go for that. But I think at the end of the day, it has to feel right for you. It really, really does. And I'd say too, a lot of people I talk to that have taken many classes are again, kind of looking at seeing what's going on it starts to, sometimes I think people lose their way with that a bit, you know, come back to what you love to do your style. And just do it in a way where you're aware of what's going on in the real world, you know, out there in the stores, but keep doing it, you know, keep, don't let that discourage you. Just let it educate you. Let Uh, it. It's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. Let it educate you. Let it, 
let it, you know, just take it in and chew on it and see what, see what that means for you. I love that. What do you, when you're um, looking for artists to represent, which I understand is infrequently because you have such a lovely group, what do you look for? You you have a point. It is infrequently, and but I I love seeing them come in, and I'm still, you know, if we see something and we know it's going to do well, we'll we'll stop and say, okay, can, can we manage to bring somebody else on? Yeah. But when we are looking, I think I'm looking for someone. First of all, it's not like everybody else we have, mm-hmm. um, that that plays to the same consumers, but doesn't look like everybody else on the team. Love that. Um, the potential for growth. I want to see there because I don't want to see, I got a submission this last week with, from somebody that I just love, but it's only one or two things. That's not going to make an art licensing career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll probably, when I slow down with Surtax, I'll probably write back and say, Hey, keep going, but I can't do anything with it right now. So there's that, there's uh, having a broad enough base that, you know, you can go somewhere with them and build the, their brand, um, not being like what we have. The technical talent has got to be there. Um, and I, I do try to look for an understanding of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, if um, And also that they've paid attention to what we're about. I get a whole lot of submissions of anime. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, I can't. <laughs> have do you looked it. at our site? That's exactly. That's what I want to say. Have you looked? Um, but you know, it, it, but I want to have something in there that shows they understand the market, even if it's basic. Yeah, you know that can be learned and that can be grown, but at least a basic understanding of what's marketable. Mm-hmm. I think those are such good, good things to think about. And you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh. D- at- do I have those things? I mean, just kind of take stock. What's what's your portfolio look like? I Another thing I love to see in a portfolio, and I'm not sure I've said this on here that many times, is I love it when people um, have a passion that might not exactly directly translate to, say it's, it's a particular style of illustration. Maybe it's they like to, they're an abstract painter or they're mm-hmm. a ceramicist or something like that. I, I feel that it's really important to show that somewhere in your in your portfolio or on your social media as well, because you never know. That shows you when you're looking, oh my gosh, they have a, they have a sense of dimension, you know, mm-hmm. they design with that in mind. Or if we're presenting to so-and-so, they might even be interested in new shapes. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things. If you're interested in it, um, let us see it, you know? Yeah, don't hide it. Yeah. yeah. Cause you never know who's looking for what. There's one artist that I work with um who if I looked at her Instagram, I'd never know she does the art that that we license. It's very modern, modern painting and things like that. And the her she's so good at doing the the things that we need season over season. That she, it's just like we were saying before that pays her bills. And then she goes on and, and paints madly at her studio and, and has fun. <laughs> has fun. So there's, there's yeah. a lot of ways to do that. Yeah. I love that. And you're about to head off to Surtex, which is for those of you who are not aware of, it's a show in the States. That's a licensing show and surface pattern licensing show. And we haven't had it for several years because I mean, of all this. I think it was the last one, wasn't it? 
Yeah. So it's smaller, but I think it's much more mindful. It's in a new place. There's a lot of people excited about it. I know some listeners from Australia are coming and New Zealand Yeah, to show. Um, So I, I think it'll be great. And and again, it's such a great way to get your peer love happening. Um, But I, I'm sure people will be walking those aisles. Do you have any tips for people who are, who are doing Surtex as far as follow-up? Oh yeah. Lots of it. Um, (laughs) Your, your success is not going to be at the show. Your success is going to be after the show. And it's not going to be following up with what they asked you to send them. It's going to be following up after that and making sure where, where you're at. It's going to be the next time you have something new, sending it to them. I have had customers that it took me four years of sending things in to actually have them come back around and say, oh, okay, let's do that. You know, and it did well, but it's a lot of follow-up. Not, don't, don't. I don't want your listeners to panic. It's not going to always take four years. I'm I'm just saying it's going to take more than one follow-up. I love that you said that. I feel like when you get a name at any show like that, at, at a, however you meet that person, but Surtex or a show like that is a great example. If you have their name and their email address, especially mm-hmm. if they've given it to you, that the door is open. The door is open. So it might, they might not say come to the dinner table right now, but they are saying, oh my gosh, let's, let's chat. You know, I, I'm interested. Here's my information. So then Mm -hmm. it's in the balls in your court to, like you said, maybe they wanted a specific thing, but more likely they either had a conversation they enjoyed. They were stopped by your work, first of all. Right. So keep, keep on going. That's, that's gold. Make sure you don't lose those numbers and those addresses. It's like any friend you're going to run into. You don't share your life history the first time you talk to them. It's right. It grows over time. It does. And those relationships, I mean, any of us can think back and to those relationships, maybe it's the, the guy who pours your coffee on the corner in the morning. It's the first time you went, they didn't know what you liked, but now they might, you might not even have to tell them and they ask about your family or whatever. And that's, it's the same in these, in these work relationships. And you know, you're, you're, they're trusting you to design something that then they can sell. And then that customer is going to buy it and take it home and love it. So and all the food chain. They've got to know that you're going to be around the next time too. That's a you good know, point. If, if they may have liked it and they may have stopped and they may really enjoy it, but they've got to know that you're in for the long haul, that you're there for the next time they need something. I love that you said that, that, that is so true on many levels for the, for someone like you, who's showing up, I'm an agent. I have these people. If you're not there again, what happened to that agency, you know, for a, for a, for that retailer or the manufacturer who's at a gift show, where are they? Are they not here again? How do I find them? You, you have to be in front of people. Yeah. You too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so many good tips. What else did we forget? Anything? I'm sure I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know you haven't asked who inspired me and I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> but I am going to ask you who inspired you, but I love how you, cause y'all listening, I send a little form out ahead of time and, and give warning. And often people are like, oh, I don't know. And, and, and it can be, it can be any number of things. It, it's not always people. Sometimes it's a feeling or a, or a situation or a, 
you know, that kind of thing. So when you think about it, since I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> no pressure, right? I, I, I think it goes back to our earlier conversation. I, I, I knew that you did that. So I knew I had to give it some thought. I like people that are game changers. Mm-hmm. I am really inspired by people who change the game because it's too easy to just fall into the rut of over and over and over again. And that could be a company. It could be a person. I like the game changers. I love me a game changer. For sure. I think, I think it shows, and uh, that's another thing that just doesn't happen overnight. You don't change the game overnight, but if you're willing to kind of stick your foot out, that's something to pay attention to. I think, I think that's a great one. That's definitely an inspiration. Not not your norm (laughs) from the creative industry, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. I love that. I love that. That works for me. Awesome. Well, I, I'm sure I'll think of things that I wanted to ask you. We'll have to, we'll have to do this again. And I'm interested to hear how Surtex goes for you, having not been there a while. And I know you'll have people reaching out to you that have heard you here on the podcast, which is great. How can people find you? What's the best way to to find you? Uh, Best way to find us is www.artsdg.com. That's arts and then DG for design group. Dot com is our website is the first place we're on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and you'll find us at Surtex. I love that. We'd love to connect. Yeah, absolutely. And take a look and you can see from the different agents that I've had on the podcast, you can see too the range of styles that are represented, which is another thing that if you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not fitting over here, maybe there's a place. There's a pl- there really is a place, and I I'm I'm reminded of that on the daily. You know, yeah. I've got friends that are other agents that if I look at their line of you know artists and ours, there's no crossover whatsoever. But they're great friends. We'll recommend each other. You know that type of thing. But there is a home for everybody. I agree. There really is. And if you just are rolling your sleeves up and going it on your own, there's totally room for that too. I've, I've been asked, I've actually been asked, do art directors look at people if they don't have an agent? Heck yes. It, it, an agent's just another relationship, right? And for some people it works really well because they, they land in a fantastic agent relationship and they, they can give up some of that, the paperwork and the legwork, et cetera, but mm-hmm. it just depends. Might yeah. not be the time for you, might not be the right person, but. I'm glad I'm- you said that though, because I think so many times artists are told that they won't get the visibility just by themselves. They will. You still have to follow the same rules. You still have to follow up. You still have to build a relationship that they don't care if you're by an artist agency or if you're just on your own, as long as you've got great art, that's all that matters. It's true. One of the things as an art director I really appreciate is feeling like I'm working with, if I'm working with an agent, that the artist is being, I'm being heard, my needs are being heard to the artist and the artist's thoughts are, I'm getting those back. And I know you guys are great at that. And I don't really work with any agents that don't do that because that stops me. But as as the artist without an agent, 
you're definitely doing that, right? You're reaching out and you're, you're working with each other. So it just depends. Don't, don't let any of that stop you. If you're so many portfolios, I look at when I do a portfolio review that are so ready to go and they're, and it's that confidence thing where it's absolutely, it can trip us up. It can stop us, but have a brave moment and put it out there or many brave moments. Well, and that's a good question for an artist to ask an agent when they're looking is how do you handle it once we get a contract? I, my personal preference is to step out of the way. I want them to keep me informed on the conversations that are going back and forth between the manufacturer and the artist, because I need to be able to follow up and make sure everything's getting done when it needs to get done. But if I stayed in every one of those conversations between an artist and a manufacturer, I'd just be getting in the way. I love that you said that. The I have some really favorite relationships where I'm emailing the artist and the agent's always copied, but yeah. the agent's just checking to make sure the final art is sent, that the contract's in the right place, et cetera. But when I have one where I don't feel like the artist is hearing the conversation, I, I'm not maybe getting the same kind of work I would otherwise. Yeah. I was going to say, you can't be getting what you need if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I always tell people when they're, when they're, really wanting to go to an agent and they've been reached out to or whatever. It's like you, Mm -hmm. they, they need to interview as well. Right. It's like you said, for the fact that you have 16 or however, you know, that number is that shows me right away that each one of those people is cared about and cared for when, when it's 15 pages, how, how does that work? I never have understood that. How could you possibly keep up with all of them? And even at 16, it's hard. I I don't as I'd like to, you know, but the reality is there's only so many hours in a day, but definitely the effort is being made to give yeah. each artist what they need. You do an awesome job. You can tell just by how your passion around it, how long you've been doing it, what you stand for, for people that I hope you're, so. you're one of the good ones. I hope so. Yeah, we try. You do it well. Well, thanks so much, Julie, for reaching out and for being here today. And I hope you all have gained some nuggets and have have been thinking about this conversation because it's a good one. And if you have any thoughts or questions, you know, shoot me a DM or if you happen to be in the Patreon, ask that question. You know, that's that's what we're here for. We're, we're, as Julie said, you know, the coolest part about this community is that we're kind to each other. I really do love that. It's guaranteed. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. And I very much enjoyed chatting with you. Me too. I'm too hope that somebody gets something out of this that'll improve their world. I do too. Thanks, Julie. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.